You know what they say, right? Third time's the charm? Yeah, this is it. Isn't it? Well, it may only be the third episode, but I think we should have a new theme song for the podcast. I'm up for it. It's welcome. All right, here we go. Welcome and bienvenue. Welcome to the Muppet Show podcast. It's called It's Time to Talk the Muppets. That is the title. Sit back, listen, stay. Welcome and bienvenue. Welcome. It's time to talk the Muppets on the podcast. Wow. Wow. Get it? This is this is for all the musical theater nerds out there. And because it's the Joel Grey episode of The Muppet Show. That was that was amazing. Let's let's just let, maybe we should just stick to the uh regular theme song. No, I like that one. I think we should do it for every Joel Grey episode. Well, thank God that there's only one Joel Grey episode, but for the sake of continuity, it's time to talk the Muppets, y'all. It's a Muppets podcast with your very special hosts, Allison and Ryan. It's time to talk the Muppets. It's time to set up mics. It's time to talk the Muppets on the podcast tonight. Here we are. Episode three of It's Time to Talk the Muppets. We're talking Joel Grey. The episode of The Muppet Show with Joel Grey as the guest star. Um, But before we get into that, let's get into a segment that we overlooked. If you can count, there's two hosts of the show, and we've only heard one of their personal histories with The Muppets. So it's time for a little segment called The Muppets and Me, a segment where we talk about our first exposure, our personal history. How did we find the Muppets in our lives. So, Allison, let me ask you, what's your own personal Muppet history? Okay, so this is a story. This is a whole, this is a whole story. Sit back, relax. I'm going to tell you my history with the Muppets. It starts when I'm a pretty young kid. I remember watching the original Muppet movie. Uh, it's one of my mom's favorite movies. It's also one of my favorite movies. But when I was, like, three, let's say, sure wasn't. Sure wasn't. I saw it, I'm going to say probably six months too early. And then I was was afraid of the Muppets for a few years. (laughs) For a solid number of years. So you were how old again when, when you saw this? Two or three? Two or three. I... I do not remember. All I know is I had a deep-seated fear of the Muppets. I think it stemmed from that scene where Animal grows to, like, the size of a building. You know, well, you know that spoilers part? Spoilers for a, for spoilers, a almost spoilers for f- the 40-year-old movie. movie. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, stop the episode right now and go watch it. It's on Disney+. Plus. It's good. It's a great scene. It's a great scene. But you know what? It was it was scary. So I like never watched 
never watched Muppet stuff, and eventually it was just like, well, what's the point? Uh, and then the new one came out, and I think that's kind of when everybody came back the, into the, the Muppets. The Jason Siegel Muppets. The Jason Siegel, yeah. I think a lot of people came back to it with that, just because they're in the cultural zeitgeist again, all that, and it just sort of went from there. Now, like, I probably watch the Muppet movie once every month, maybe once every two months. What was uh, what was it like when you rediscovered it? When you were like, "Oh, this is good," actually, <laughs> it was it was like a sudden realization. Like you watch you watch the Muppet movie, and you're like, "Oh, this is the funniest movie ever made." <laughs> the jokes just hit. They all just hit. That's true. I I told a friend of mine to uh, watch the Muppet movie, and as she was watching it, she was texting me her live reactions to it, and she would just text like specific jokes that happened, and I'm like, "Yep." That's in the movie. It's really funny. Yeah, thanks, it's, Debbie. Yeah, that that was it, basically. I was just like, yeah, that's really funny. Wait, that one's also really funny. <laughs> Drinks on the house. Were there other scary Muppets in your recollection of when you first watched the Muppet movie? I think mostly Animal and a bit Gonzo, because he's funny looking. And then just, like, all the really weird ones. If I had watched The Muppet Show at this point, like, I don't know. That that could have messed me up. <laughs> That's some deep-seated trauma when of When you were puppets. two or three. Cause, cause, so then this would have been, like, one of your first memories just in general. I don't know. That's that's insane. <laughs> yeah. I, I, remember, I remember very little from any of preschool i do remember being deathly scared of the muppets <laughs> i think the only thing i can remember about preschool was uh 9-11 happened mm, did happen yeah. sure did happen that's what i do to flex on younger gen Zers. i say i remember 9-11 you're like remember 9-11 and they're like no. nope i was born in 2001 i was like haha sucks to be you muppets muppets what are they? What do they know? Do they know things? Let's find out. What do we know? What do we know about the Muppets? We know about this episode. That is true. The Joel Grey episode of The Muppet Show. And I guess that concludes Allison's Muppets and Me. That's pretty much all you need to know. As long as you're not deathly afraid of the Muppets now. I think a little bit just like it's healthy. I'm not deathly afraid of the Muppets now. What I am deathly afraid of is Muppets Now's chance of renewal on Disney Plus. Ooh. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna just do the prediction. It's not getting more episodes. It's not it's not that good. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk we'll about talk it. About we'll it talk about it in uh, about it six years once we finish every episode of the Muppet Show. And every episode of Muppets Tonight. And every yeah. episode of the 2015 Muppets sitcom. <laughs> this is what we've condemned our life to. Just talking about the Muppets. It's what I do anyways. That's a pretty chill hell. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll take that. But let's get into the episode. Allison, do you know who Joel Grey is? I have an idea of who he, who he is. But please enlighten me. Who the, who the hell is this guy? Who the hell is Joel Grey, you may ask? It's what I asked. When I saw that he was a guest on The Muppet Show, because there's a lot of celebrities from the 70s that just aren't famous anymore. Celebrities that make you go, 
who the hell is that? So, who the hell is that? Joel Grey edition. So, Joel Grey is an actor of the stage and the screen. Uh, he's most known for originating the role of the MC, the Master of Ceremonies, from the Candor and Ebb musical Cabaret. He also played the same character in the 1972 Bob Fosse adaptation and won an Oscar for that performance. I mean, yeah, that going in, that's pretty much what I knew about him. I went through and did a little deep dive on the rest of his career. His first TV appearance was in 1951 on the Colgate Comedy Hour. Ooh. So who knows? Maybe Joel Grey was rubbing elbows with Roy Donk and Paul Buffano. <laughs> Legends of jazz. Yeah, like Marcus the Worm Hicks or Mookie Kramer and the Eight Balls. Please give me more famous jazz performers. Tiny Boop Squig Shorter. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you made that one up. <laughs> nope, that one's real. That one's real. These are all real. How could these How could these be fake? How could these be fake? But yeah, uh, other than that, the rest of his filmography is um, he's made a lot of guest appearances in what I would call dad TV shows. Um, so shows like Ironside, Dallas, uh, and Matlock. Um, Phineas and Ferb. Yeah, he was in that. Classic, classic dad If your show. dad watches Phineas and Ferb, probably a cool dad. Probably a cool dad. Um, he was also a guest star on the worst Star Trek show, Star Trek Voyager, uh, which also starred Kate Mulgrew, but that wasn't the first time they worked together. They previously worked together on a little film called Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins, uh, in 1985, which is, um, I guess, a little bit unfortunate of a screen credit in which he plays a Korean martial arts master. Ooh. And he was nominated for a Golden Globe in that performance. Of course he was. Um... <laughs> Uh, yeah. He comes from a showbiz family. His dad uh, famously had a theater comedy show called The Borsch Capades, um, which is that sort of um, Borsch Belt comedy where, like, they would play, uh, you know, clubs in the Catskills. A lot of vaudeville comedic stylings, which is, you know, right at home with uh, The Muppet Show, which is kind of why I think he sort of works works well uh, with the Muppet characters in the episode. Joel Grey is still currently alive, so I think we're currently like, what, two and one on Muppet Show celebrities that are still with us. Um, he's 88 years old. Uh, his last TV credit was, or his most recent TV credit was an episode of CSI in 2014, which I didn't know the show was still on in 2014. Yeah, but his most recent theater credit. Yes, this is so interesting. His most recent theater credit um, is for something called The Investigation, A Search for Truth in Ten Acts, which is a dramatic reading of excerpts from the Mueller investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 election. That is so much more interesting than when I thought his last theater credit was. His second to last fe theater credit is director of the uh, Yiddish production of Fiddler on the Roof, which is interesting to me. And me only. I'm sure there are other Jewish people that like Fiddler on the Roof. Most most Jews do at least a little bit. I mean, it is tradition. I've never seen Fiddler on the Roof. I know that's like a song that's that's in it. It's the long. guy goes like tradition. Isn't the movie like three and that a half a hours song. long or something? Well, yeah. 
It's a long movie. Anyway, so... It's a long play. Uh, would you like to know anything else about The Investigation, A Search for Truth in 10 Acts, a dramatic reading of excerpts from The Mueller Report? Yeah, what else do you have? Can we do an episode on just this? Joel Gray played Jeff Sessions, and he kind of looks like him, so I guess that makes sense. But other interesting um, people that guest starred in it... Uh, John Lithgow read for Donald Trump. Huh. Uh, Zachary Quinto read for Rudy Giuliani. All right. And Jason Alexander, that's right, George Costanza from Seinfeld read for Chris Christie. I, 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 huh. George, what are you doing? Why are all the bridges closed? Jerry, it's very important that we close down the bridges. <laughs> I don't know why. We are closing down the bridges, but we are. You're a bridge closer, Jerry? That's, that's like the one thing I know about Chris Christie. <laughs> I've seen four episodes of Seinfeld. If I ever make a Seinfeld joke and it fails, just know that it's not my fault. God, I can't believe a thing like that exists. A dramatic reading of the Mueller report in 10 acts. What are you going to do? You're going to listen to 10 acts and then, if, and then come to the conclusion of uh, nothing? If I wanted to do that... I'd listen to Serial. I haven't I haven't listened to Serial. This is the episode where we find out all the things that I haven't watched. I've I haven't seen most of Seinfeld and I haven't listened to Serial. <laughs> so that is Who the Hell is Joel Grey? Screen and stage legend, mostly known for the Candor and Ebb musical Cabaret and has some unfortunate credits in his past. Oh, he's also the the father of Jennifer Grey, of Dirty Dancing fame, and Ferris Bueller's girlfriend. Good for him. He's also the father-in-law to Clark Gregg, who is married to Jennifer (laughs) Grey. That's right. Clark Gregg, who played Agent Coulson on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mr. Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes, himself. is Joel Gray's son-in-law, who appeared, Joel Gray, who appeared on The Muppet Show, a property owned by Disney, is the father-in-law of Clark Gregg, who appears in Agents, in of, Agents Shield, of S.H.I.E.L.D. A property owned by Disney. It is me. It all it all comes back. It's full circle, baby. Uh, we did it. Yeah, we closed the loop. <laughs> all right, uh, let's get into the episode, shall we? Let's get to the show. So this is the intro to the Muppet Show. I think this is the last of the weird intros, still in that baby face period of the show, and you get like a little little preview of things to come our show tonight will feature some stuff that looks like this which previews a sketch that follows right after the theme song i've got to say i don't love the the popping into the sketches yeah just just do the theme song just just give us spoilers yeah just give us a tease you don't have to give it all away we know we're gonna see muppets we know we're gonna see joel gray that's all we need to know. That's all we need. And so the theme song ends with Gonzo uh, taking a big swing and a miss. He swings to the O in the Muppet Show and he falls. Because he's Gonzo and that's what he does. That's what he does. You want to get into this first sketch? Sure. 
It's called Comedy Tonight. So basically the first sketch of this episode is a Muppet rendition of Comedy Tonight, which is a song from A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, written by Stephen Sondheim. So you've got Joel Gray from Cabaret, you got a Stephen Sondheim song in this episode. This is really just... Jim Henson said, this one's for all the big theater kids out there. We've moved out of vaudeville and all that. Welcome to musical theater. As an ex-theater kid myself in high school, um, I recognize those names. I don't recognize this song. As as a theater adjacent? Same. Yeah, but I looked it up. Apparently, Comedy Tonight was added at the last second to... The musical, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. I guess they were afraid that people wouldn't know that the musical was a comedy. So they wrote a song called Comedy Tonight, which is the thing that you're going to expect. And we're expecting a lot of comedy tonight, both in this episode and I guess for audiences watching A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum when it opened. Though the word funny is in the title of A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum... So I don't know what 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 are they expecting? Yeah, tragedy. It's it's not a it's not a terrible thing happened on the way to the forum. A sad thing happened on the way to the forum. There was a uh, street fight on the way to the forum. And to think that it happened on Mulberry Street. So yeah, comedy tonight uh, involves a bunch of less than famous Muppets. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, I like these guys. Essentially, to describe it, it would be. Imagine a scary movie set, like a haunted house backdrop, uh, a lot of blues, a lot of gloomy blues, and uh, Muppets called Frackles, not to be confused with Fraggles, from Fraggle Rock, a show I have not seen, which we may cover in the future on this podcast. I don't know. Keep listening. Who's to say? And Muppets called Whatnots, which are sort of like the blank slate Muppets that they would just keep lying around the studio and go, hey, we need someone with a mustache. Slap a mustache on that slate. All right, it's good to go. Those are the whatnots. Um, but yeah, they sing a little song. I think the most notable Muppet in this sequence is Crazy Harry, who comes in and blows yes. stuff up. A legend. A legend. He is a one-note character on the best note. Explosion. Muppets love explosions. What can we say? Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Um, but yeah, overall, uh, I don't know. The song, it's its a good example of Muppet mayhem. Just sort of the chaotic nature of these characters. Anything could happen, really, on The Muppet Show. And that's kind of what you come to expect, the unexpected, um, when watching these shows. Uh, the segment ends with Statler and Waldorf commenting on the pacing. <laughs> speeding along very quickly this evening oh yes someone must have told him it's harder to hit a moving target (laughs) and yeah i think that statler and waldorf really saved this this one from from completely bombing wasn't a huge fan of the song not gonna lie yeah it's it's fine i mean maybe there are some sondheim fans out there but i feel like sondheim's got some better bangers it's a nice like idea it's a nice mood but it just doesn't, like, it doesn't gel. Yeah, like, what's going on? We've got you know? a haunted house backdrop. We've got a song from a comedy musical set in ancient Greece or Rome or wherever. There's not a lot of comedy. What are the elements coming together? What are the elements? I don't know. 
Um, but yeah, Statler and Waldorf is sort of like their get out of jail free card in this one. Cause I like that little moment. And so we go into our B plot of Fozzie trying to be the joke machine. He's the jokester. I really like this B plot. The comedian's, the comedian's a, bear. a bear. Yeah. So in this B plot, uh, Fozzie is like, I can joke about anything. Kermit, check me out. Check me out. That's my hidden talent. Did you see that? Oh, I could do it again. Give him any word. I'll write a joke about the word. Then uh, you better go get ready. Go in the dressing room and get ready, over there. Dressing room. Uh, uh, I had a dressing room so small, all the mice were hunchback. Uh, uh, please, Fozzie, no jokes right now. I'm a tired frog. And it's like some of them aren't really jokes. You're just like, oh, Fozzie's being weird. Um, but that's the charm of the character. Even if his jokes fail, that's part of the bit. He's funny when he's funny. And also he's funny when he's not funny because he's not funny. He even drops a take my wife. Uh, Fuzzy, please. Please. Take my wife, please. Shout out to all you boomers out there. Um, but I really like that, uh, this little B plot. It really shows a good example of sort of the Kermit Fozzie dynamic um, of Kermit being sort of like an overworked boss. Um, trying to corral all of the Muppet performers together and keep the show going. They already, I mean, they feel like a good mirror of their two performers. Yep, you got Jim Henson as Kermit. You know? You got... And you got Frank Oz as Fozzie Bear. What a guy. Yoda, Miss Piggy, Fozzie Bear, all iconic puppet characters. Makes an appearance in Knives Out. Has a big-ass pair of glasses. The the most 80s pair of glasses I've ever seen. I mean, that is important. If you don't have cool glasses, what are you doing? He's what I would expect a puppeteer to look like, if that makes any sense. Yeah, so that's, that's, the, little, that's, a, that's the little opening number and the first beat of the B-plot of the Joel Grey episode. And we go into a little sequence, a little recurring sketch called... At the dance, which I know you're not a fan of. <laughs> Still not a fan. All right. Okay. I'll say I it. I hate this, to say it. This one segment, not a strong. Okay. You know, it ends with two of the same jokes. I'm really stuck on you. Oh, how sweet. You love me? No, I'm just stuck on you. And then the very next thing you see is a Muppet stuck to a chandelier. Um, you know, I, I think that Muppet, uh, Muppets at the dance is, I mean, it's sort of, it's at least it's mercifully short. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it's not, it's not like it's a long sketch, you know, it's, it's no more than 10 lines. It's one liner jokes, um, much like, I guess, uh, weekend update on SNL, but at least it's short. And like weekend update. I don't find it that funny right now. And you know what? At least it's Muppets and not Colin Jost. Jost? Whatever. I think it's Jost. We still get like a little Richard Hunt voice uh, with Miss Piggy. So it's sort of interesting to see how that's developing. That joke's probably the funniest out of all of them. Boy, my brother's really something. He's got girls eating out of his hand. Oh? Is he a lover? No, a waiter. Oh. Mostly because I misheard Miss Piggy saying, does your brother have people eating out of his ass? 
I don't know why I heard that and not hand. I have no clue where you got that from. Also, look if you play the clip, I just, like it. It 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 happens. People mishear things. It happens. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Talking about eating ass on a Muppets podcast. What are we? Some some sort of. Where's Sam the Eagle to come in and 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 harangue our asses? This is this is foolishness that I do not want to see. This is this is uh, incorrigible material. Uh, oh my God, Sam the Eagle! In alignment with American values. I appear later in this episode, so uh, expect a later appearance from me. Okay, bye, Sam. God bless America. Well, what just happened? Uh, you just missed Sam the Eagle. He was here and he was like, I'm going to be in this episode later. Are you freaking kidding me? I could have met a Muppet. Yeah. And, and, and I missed out on that. I'm sorry, man. <sighs> I've always wanted to ruffle his blue feathers. I didn't get a chance, but he does seem like he would be fun to ruffle his feathers a little bit. Just a little bit. So at the dense ends, and we get our first appearance. Not our first appearance. Or no, not our first appearance. He is back. He's back, baby. The Muppet Newsman. It's like the weekend update. But it's only one joke. Which is just, it fixes all the problems. It's even better. It's one joke, and it's like weirdly dark for the Muppet Show. A former circus daredevil who billed himself as Boffo the Human Cannonball fired himself out of a cannon yesterday into a crowd of holiday shoppers. Fortunately, there were no injuries to the passers-by. Buffo was not so lucky. Said his wife, the former Mrs. Buffo, I guess I'll just have to pick up the pieces and live my life. Yeah. He talks about a stuntman who fires himself into a crowd of holiday shoppers at the mall and dies. Just straight up, he dies. That happens sometimes, you know? And his wife is just left to pick up the pieces. <laughs> what? What's going on with that poor stuntman? <laughs> What's his name? Bafo. Bafo the human cannonball. Rest in peace to him, I guess. R.I.P. Bafo. Just weirdly dark for the Muppet Show. I guess that's part of the gag that the Muppet Newsman is just so monotone. He's a classic newsreader. He's got great delivery. In the spirit of Walter Cronkite, you could just make him say anything with a complete straight face. Just have him say the most ridiculous thing, and that's where that's where that's where the funny is. I think. With the Muppet Newsman. And it is funny. It appears that President Kennedy has died some five minutes ago. That one wasn't as funny. I'm sorry. Just, well, you just, well, that's something Walter Cronkite said. You just imagine him saying something like, Buffo, the human cannibal, died some five minutes ago. Now that's, that's better. That's good. That, right? Yeah. That was better. Yeah. Um, you know, Muppet Newsman looks like Bob Odenkirk. Still looks like Bob Odenkirk. We've been over this before. He's not wearing glasses in this segment, which is important to note. Or maybe not. <laughs> you can't see it. This is an audio medium, not a visual one. But you can look up a picture. Yeah. You could do that. So, bye-bye Muppet Newsman. Hello. Joel Gray. Welcome in, Joel Gray. Because Joel Grey will come in and sing Will Come In. This is, this is pretty much like the, the set piece for this episode. Joel Grey performing Will Come In from Cabaret. 
with a bunch of Muppets. Just a good time overall, I think. I really like this. I really like this. He comes in and it's a bunch of Muppets sitting at a table much like I imagine they would in Cabaret again, haven't seen it. And they do a little call and response with a song. I also assume that's how it happens in the show or the movie. I'm not entirely sure. Well, in Cabaret, Joel Grey plays the MC at a German nightclub called the Kit Kat Club. Um, and it's about, I think, an American reporter that falls in love with a dancer at the Cabaret. Um, it's also the 1930s, and it's in Germany. Um, so bad things are about to happen. Yeah. But in this context, it's just it's just a good time. It's just a good time. You got just Dr. Teeth and Janice coming in. Uh, who Janice can speak French? Je suis Didn't know that. Come on, everyone knows that. It's, it's kind of hot though when she speaks French. It's like, whoa, Janice. Wow. You're a Muppet and you speak French? Whoa. Yeah, so Joel Gray, he comes in and he comments on the dancers uh, of the Muppet Theater who are pigs in little maid costumes. Even the dancers are beautiful. If your standards aren't too high. You got Gonzo coming in. He yells stranger in Joel Gray's ear. Good bet. I, Gonzo can do no wrong in my eyes. It's just a fun little musical number. Yeah, it's just it's just good. I don't I don't have much to say about this one. Joel Grey knows the number. Joel Grey knows how to do the style of comedy with the Muppets. I do have one note it's about good. the. I do have one note about this, um, which gets to my hatred of Muppets resembling humans. Uh, yeah. In this segment, there's a little Muppet called Jerry, and he's modeled after the Muppet performer Jerry Nelson, who plays Floyd Pepper, um, Robin the Frog, and the Count on Sesame Street. That's a little unsettling. Uh, Jerry Nelson Muppet is part of a trio of Muppets called the Country Trio, who appear infrequently in uh, a lot of the TV specials that the Muppets were in pre The Muppet Show. And he's just weird looking, but like in a bad way. Like Gonzo's weird looking in a good way. Yeah, they're they're too person looking. Like, even even the more human-like Muppets work because they don't really look like actual people. This one looks like an actual real person. Like Jerry should be banished to the Uncanny Valley with Grand Moff Tarkin from Rogue One and the entirety of the Polar Express casts. It's like Tom Hanks as the conductor is like, oh, that's 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 probably where they put all their money into it. And then... <laughs> and um, then everyone else. yeah. Tinashe is in the cast of uh, Polar Express. Just a little fun fact. Um, Neat. Yeah, she's not a fan of the movie. Truly, is anyone a fan of the movie? I think there's some people that, like, begrudgingly enjoy it. I don't know. I feel like Polar Express is one of the one of the lower-tier uh, Christmas movies. It's no Muppet Christmas Carol. That's for sure. It's no Adam Sandler's Eight Crazy Nights. I don't know if that. I haven't seen it. Wait, it's a Hanukkah I was about movie. To say, there's no eight. There are no eight nights of Christmas. <laughs> there's twelve days. There's twelve days, but not eight nights. Maybe not for you. Welcome and bienvenue. Welcome. 
to cabaret, oh cabaret, to cabaret. I, I just have the song in my head. Um, I was list- I was thinking about it, and I was I noticed that like, maybe I'm dumb for saying this out loud, but I was like, oh, so they say the same words but in different <laughs> languages, three, <laughs> three times in the song. No, I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, they're all. They're all welcome. But I was thinking, because of that, I think that the Muppets should record uh, language lessons. <laughs> I think that would be great. It'd be like, hey, y'all, my name's Kermit the Frog, and I'll be your freestyle Spanish teacher. Donde esta la biblioteca? Uh, that means, where's the library? Thanks, Fozzie. I would listen to that. Oh, that wait, that was Fozzie? Oh, uh... That was Rolf. Yes. Just yes, play, that was play Rolf. Play with me here. That was Rolf the dog. And then Fozzie comes in and he's like, ha, 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 ha. Waka, waka, je suis un bear. I don't know how to say bear in French. Also, the lesson just turned from Spanish to French. What is going on? It's just learning language. They never said which language. Welcome to my mind, everybody. Um, it's very <laughs> fried. I'm recording this in a closet, which doesn't have ventilation. It's getting very hot. Um, you'll see my descent into uh, insanity by the end of this recording. <laughs> so, willkommen. Great number. It comes up, and it's just very pleasant. And then we get our second beat in our B-plot with Fozzie, where he jokes with the Muppet Theater seamstress named Hilda, who can't find her glasses. Oh, glasses! Glasses! Uh... I knew a minister once who was so religious, when he read the Bible, he wore stained glasses. It's like one of the rare ones where it's like, oh, that's actually good. That's a good joke. And then he doesn't help her find her glasses, because... Rude. Nothing stops that Fozzie bear. (laughs) I wish something would. Ah, wood. Waka waka. <laughs> and then, like, it just, I love how the sketch just kind of fades out at the end. Like, they're just giving up on Fozzie's idiocracy. We're just, we're done. We, nobody wants to stand it anymore. We can't take this anymore. So now we come into the talk spot, which is another recurring segment on the show where Kermit sits down and talks with the celebrities. Or does he? Well, very briefly. Um,. <laughs> Kermit basically goes full Nardwar on Joel Grey. <laughs> um, he pretty much says, I know everything about you, Joel Grey. I know that you have and a daughter says everything. named Jennifer. You started on the stage when you were 10. And, um, yeah, I know your, your credit card number, your address. <laughs> do, 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 do. Do, do. That was the actual audio. I understand you were also born in Cleveland, Ohio, but now you live in New York with huh. your wife, Joe, and your two children, Jimmy and Jennifer, uh, plus three cats, uh, two dogs, a turtle, and three frisbees. Huh? Well, how'd you know all that? Yeah, let, let me ask you something. Well, now that you're with us, uh, why, don't you, uh, <clears throat> why don't you just uh, tell us a little about yourself? Actually, there's not much left to tell. Oh. Boy, what a dull guest. Unfortunately, he doesn't give uh, Joel Grey any, like, weird memorabilia that, like, 
Nardwar would give to his interviews, interviewees. And more unfortunately, Kermit doesn't ask about the Comey tape. <laughs> At all. At all. So uh, tell me, Jeff Sessions, why did you recuse yourself from the investigation? This is the hard-hitting journalism we need to expect from our <laughs> famous frog puppets. He won't ask RuPaul about the fracking. He won't ask Joel Gray about the James Comey 10-act play. Yeah, grow some balls, Kermit. Have some journalistic integrity. The Muppet Newsman would not do that. The, the Muppet, Muppet Newsman would ask the questions. Muppet Newsman would just grill. He would he would just set Joel Gray on fire. Um, but yeah, Joel Gray eventually goes, well, yeah. You, you, you kind of covered it, basically. Um, <laughs> and also, it's like, this is where I, I start to think about how Joel Grey looks a lot like other celebrities. Like, he kind of looks like Sam Rockwell and He Dana does kind of look like Sam Rockwell. Can I give you another one? He kind of looks like... Uh, What's-his-face who plays the uh, fish man in The Shape of Water? Doug Jones? <laughs> Yes. I haven't seen The Shape of Water, but pulled that one out of my ass. That was good. <laughs> I forgot I forgot his name. He Joel, kinda looks like Doug Jones. Joel Gray's got a got a little baby face. Maybe um, he's just a skinny white man. Yeah, maybe. Also it's funny that he looks like Sam Rockwell, because Sam Rockwell plays Bob Fosse in a Fosse Verdon and Bob Fosse directed Joel Gray in Cabaret. And now we've closed the loop. That's it. Welcome to Closing the Loop with Ryan and Allison. Hey, uh, I've, I've got a little more. All right. What, what? Uh, Fosse Verdon was on FX, owned by Fox, now owned by Disney. This is just this is just the capitalistic uh, hellscape that we live in. Everything, Everything comes back to Disney. <laughs> Have you not learned this? Oh, Disney, you... You... You monstrous corporation no comment because bob Iger might be listening i almost said mousterous corporation what the fuck is that just <laughs> i'm gonna acquire the muppets and do nothing about them <laughs> that's canon that's what he said mickey mouse is the ceo of disney who's this bob Ch- chapek guy i've never seen him i don't know sounds like a front you're telling me that two two ceos in a row are named bob Something's fishy. I spent approximately six months working at Disney World, and I never saw Bob Chapek. I don't think he exists. You know who I did see? Mickey Mouse. Multiple times. Something's fishy here, and I don't like it. I don't like it. Put the Muppet Show on Disney Plus, Disney. Do it it. so we can have some nice nice HD masters and not have to rely on uh, something that rhymes with... Iracy. Should we cut that? Should I don't know. I don't that? know what you're talking I think about. We should cut that. Arg. Uh, I'm just talking about the Muppets Treasure Island. Haha. <laughs> Pirates. That's what. That's what I mean. Yeah, we're talking about Tim Curry. Um. So yeah, after the talk spot with Joel Gray, we get um a sketch called Pacalafica, um, in which uh these are two. Examples of what I mentioned earlier, the Muppet Whatnots or the Whatnot Muppets. I I want to uh, get everybody ready for this. 
The joke of this sketch is some revolutionary shit. I was about to ask, wait a second. This is some next level comedy. I, well, <laughs> uh, this is this is uh, it's time for so like the Muppet Show is uh, from the seventies, and um, <laughs> I wanna uh, I hope this will this will be a, a recur this won't be a recurring segment. Um, is this homophobic? Kinda. <laughs> do you wanna? Do you wanna? Finish explaining the game of the sketch. Sure. Okay. So, Apocalyphica, uh, uh, for the context, is a, a comedy song about a tourist in Turkey who uh, meets a woman who whispers the word Apocalyphica in his ear. Um, and he wonders, what, is it? what does it mean? So you have a, a blue-skinned Muppet wearing... Uh, a suit and tie and a Turkish hat and a, another blue-skinned Muppet. Um, like like I said, these are the Muppet whatnots. They're sort of blank slate Muppets that they just kind of trade in and out, slap on random features and make it uh, and make them whatever, use them for whatever sketch they need. Uh, so the second Muppet comes up for the first one and whispers, he wonders what does it mean and it's and this song is like what every like like weeaboo sounds like basically um like i'm exotic what could this mean um and he kind of goes on and on for the sketch wondering what this mysterious word could mean uh it doesn't mean anything. I looked it up. It's not actually Turkish. Yeah, there's there's no... Uh, I have found that. I have found one definition that I'll bring up later. Yeah, um, so the sketch ends with the Muppet, the masked Muppet, uh, pulling down her mask, revealing um, a mustache and some really ugly teeth. And the guy goes... Wow. Ah. <laughs> it... You, you thought it. You thought you thought the Muppet was a girl, but actually, there's facial it's a hair. Man, <laughs> what what revolutionary comedy! I'll so take things that funny. didn't age well for three hundred, Alex. <laughs> I'll take things that are definitely transphobic for a thousand. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we've got. Uh, so yeah, we've got some transphobic Muppets in this episode. Bet you didn't expect that to happen. Surprise! Uh, transphobic, um, fetishizing of uh, uh, Turkish culture. Ah, Turkey, land of my dreams. All oh, the Turkish delights, the Turkish women, the coffee, the towels. In every way, my heart belongs to Turkey. But lo, what lovely Eastern maiden approaches! I'll, I'll, I'll say what I say about uh, every TV show. Uh, I have not seen a single sitcom that doesn't have a transphobic joke in season one. Oh no! Literally all of them. If you make it, if you make it one season without one, that's a good thing. But damn, does nobody do it? Welcome to Hollywood, everybody. <laughs> Love to be here. This has been. Yo, is this transphobic? Which I really hope isn't a recurring segment on the show. Where's Sam the Eagle when you need him to censor that horrible sketch?
Uh, yeah, let's go to the next so one. Sam, well, he actually comes in now. Uh, he comes in and introduces two Muppets that two of these like like D-list Muppets, Wayne and Wanda, who have made multiple appearances on The Muppet Show. Um, they're two performers and they sing a song called Stormy Weather and they don't get to sing much of it because the stormy weather comes in. I'm, I'm going to say it. Good. Fuck Wayne and Wanda. Fuck Wayne and Wanda. Sam the Eagle describes them as church people. I have no clue what that means. Wayne and Wanda are probably like, I don't know, Protestants. Is there a separate is there a separate branch of Christianity specifically for Muppets? Yeah, apparently Wayne and Wanda are, are part of are part of the Protestant sect of it. Um now I'm just thinking Muppet Pope, Muppet Pope, Muppet Pope. Sequel to the two popes. Uh, you got, yeah, you, you know, you had the young pope. The two popes. Then you had the new pope. Come, two popes coming up next, uh, streaming on HBO Max, Muppet Pope. It still stars Jude Law as like the first young pope, but now there's a new Muppet Pope. And he's uh, ready to take on uh, all the problems of the Vatican. Um the young Muppet Pope. What are what are the what do you think are the um, religions, religious beliefs of the other Muppets? Uh, I okay. It's it's time to just talk about this. Uh, all of the Muppets are Jewish, except for Wynn and Wanda. What about Sam Eagle? I f- I feel like Sam Eagle is a little bit like I think he's probably like a like a he's probably a Baptist. He's just modern Orthodox. He's just a modern Orthodox Jew. Maybe Sam Eagle doesn't have a religion. He's he's very American. His, his, his only re- religion is America, which means he's Christian. My religion is America. I'm Sam Eagle. I am a Christian. Uh, which means but, what? He's Catholic? But I still respect the First Amendment, which allows for freedom of religion. Wow. R- Ryan. What? What? Give me Sam Eagle again. D- dang it! What did I'm he sorry. say? What did, what did Sam Eagle say? Uh, he was like, "I respect the freedom of religion." The right ones, Ooh. though. Because remember, Sam Eagle is American. He, he is American. Scooter's definitely Jewish, right? They're all Jewish. Gonzo is absolutely Jewish. I think Scooter just had his yeah. bar mitzvah. He, he has that. He got the theater in his bar mitzvah. Fuck you, Wayne and Wanda. There's a reason why you're not remembered. <laughs> There's a reason why they're background Muppets in all of the movies that they're in. Are they even in any of them? Technically. I, I don't recall. I don't recall. Um, they are in them. So, yeah. But you have to go onto their Wikipedia page to find the pictures of them. <laughs> That's some nerdy-ass shit. I've never done that. Looked up Muppet Wikipedia pages. Who would do that? Yeah, certainly not people that host a podcast about the Muppets. You're giving away all our secrets. So anyway, uh, next so now we in get the B-plot, uh, Fozzie. Fozzie, uh, Hilda, Miss Piggy, Kermit, and George are all gathered together, and they're like, "You got to stop this bear, Kermit. He fucking sucks." <laughs> Can we talk about something? Yeah. Have we considered that George in this spot might be the George from? You and I and George. Well, he's looking pretty good for a Muppet that has drowned. 
That's a little callback to the first episode where Rolf the dog sings a little song called You and I and George, and George drowns. Maybe that song is an omen. Rolf the dog sees the future. Rolf knows. He knows all. He Um, knows. I noted an interesting thing. So there's actually two wife jokes that Fozzie pulls in this episode. He says, take my wife, please, in the first one after Kermit says please. And uh, I think in this one, he just goes, my wife. Uh, Well, that was no joke, Fozzie. That was my wife. (laughs) Who does he think he is? Fozzie invented Borat. You're not slick. You're not slick, Sasha Baron Cohen. We We know. know. We're coming for you. Borat 3 in like 10 years, Fozzie Bear's going to come and and demand his his royalty check. It's time for him to pay up. No, there's a bigger bear in America. Ah, waka waka. You stole my joke, you little bastard. (laughs) What is going on? I'm sweating in this uh, closet. Yeah, I think we've gone too deep. (laughs) So yeah, they they give Fozzie the silent treatment. We get a little segment with Joel Gray and Gonzo, where Gonzo takes figures of speeches way too literally. I love these little uh, blackout sketches. Yeah, Joel Gray's like, I'm going for a spin. You want to join me, Gonzo? And Gonzo's like, okay, sure. And then he spins around like a child. We're still seeing that early development of the Gonzo character. Um, The puppet itself is still fucked up and ugly and the nose. Don't say that about Gonzo. He's trying his best. And the voice is still still needs some work on, and he's like, still, childlike, like really childlike. Like in the last episode, he had a teddy bear, thing going on, and in this one, he doesn't understand how figures of speech works. <laughs> yeah, important to note. This is also the second uh, appearance of an anthropomorphic Muppet clothing, if that's what you want to call it. I mean, one doesn't talk through one's hat. I hope not. I can talk for myself. Less scarier than Feather Boa, so. No, the the hat's cool. Hat's cool. You don't talk through your hat, literally. Uh, the hat does talk, though. It does. <laughs> and Joel Gray comments that he thinks he's going bananas. And what appears next to him? A Muppet banana. Love it. That's, that's, that's... That's comedy, baby. That's That's real comedy. That's real comedy. None of this transphobic Turkish shit. After that little spot with Joel Gray and Gonzo, we get the culmination of Fozzie finally doing his jokes. (laughs) Ha ha, waka waka. Can I get a suggestion? Ugh. What is this, a college improv show? Can we get a, uh, a location? Can we get uh, three words, location, a famous historical figure, and a film genre, please? <laughs> All right. Uh, we would like to see a film noir set in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, starring Abraham Lincoln. Thankfully, that's not the type of shit we see on The Muppet Show. Uh, this is real comedy. Yeah. Sketch comedy. Yeah, so Fozzie asks for a word. He'll make a joke out of it. And Statler and Waldorf go, Amoeba. Amoeba. Huh? You said amoeba. Uh, amoeba. Uh, sorry, no foreign words. Next. Which is a good choice and what I'm going to use whenever somebody asks me for improv. You know, once COVID's over, go to your go to your local improv theater and just yell amoeba. Go on to a Zoom show and just type amoeba in the chat. Yeah, can we get that can we get that hashtag started? Hashtag amoeba. Hashtag amoeba. That's it. 
no context. But yeah, so Fozzie thinks that amoeba is a foreign word, <laughs> which I think is kind of funny. <laughs> uh, no foreign words, please. And the joke that he actually uh, does tell invents the anti-joke. I'll say it. The first anti-joke. Two amoeba walked out of a bar. One amoeba says to the other, say, is that the sun of the moon? And the other amoeba says, I don't know. I don't live around here. <laughs> I did it. I did it. <laughs> he, he did it. He's okay. He certainly did. Uh, what does amoeba mean anyway? I don't know. I don't live around here either. Statler and Waldorf are great. And they have they have grown on me more just through uh, watching the show. Up next, the UK spot. Yes. This one's fun. <laughs> this is a really fun sketch. It took us this long, but finally this episode has its huge moments. And it's a UK-only thing. Well, it is pretty UK-centric. I mean, yeah. it's got Britain's greatest export, Sherlock Holmes. You know, it's probably like Sherlock Holmes, James Bond, Doctor Who. Yeah, tea, maybe. Uh, what's tea? Uh, colonialism. Did I just ask what's tea? <laughs> you did just ask what tea was. I thought you... I thought... Well, I thought you meant like a show, like a no. show called T. The concept. Just the concept no, of T. No, it's tea. the last letter in LGB. T. Tra- transgenders were invented by the British as a ploy to sell uh, fewer bathrooms. I thought they were invented by the French. Le Are you... <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> Cut this out, cut this out. <laughs> cut this out. This isn't even funny. But you know what is funny? Sherlock Holmes in the case of the disappearing clues. Nailed it. Rolf the dog as Sherlock, uh, a little dog Muppet called Baskerville. Ha ha, very clever, Jim Henson. The Sherlock joke, ha ha. But actually, Baskerville originated in a Purina puppy chow commercial where he was a foil to Rolf the dog back in the 60s when Jim Henson was using his Muppet creations on... Uh, TV commercials. Well, fun fact for you right there. But to describe Baskerville the dog, just imagine like Scooter's glasses on a cute little, I don't know any dog brand, uh, breeds. It's a little dog. It's what you expect. Little, little brown dog. So Rolf the dog is Sherlock. Baskerville is Watson. You have Miss Piggy as the maid. And then there's Wayne as uh, the murder victim, which I am in full support of. Fuck Wayne. And then a Muppet called the, the best, the Gorgon, Gorgon Heap, Heap, who is the butler. He's not dressed like a butler. What he does look like is just a big purple mass with an orange nose and a big old, He's a Heap. A big old mouth. Big old mouth. Rolf comes in. He's like, what's all this then? Oh, Mr. Holmes, I'm so glad you're here. It's murder, Mr. Holmes. Murder. Dear lady, Dr. Watson and I will have this case solved in no time, right, Watson? Of course. Holmes can solve any crime by a simple process of deduction. Mm. And through his investigation, he finds some clues, which are then eaten by the Gorgon Heap. A photo of the butler committing the murder. (laughs) The weapon in question, registered in the butler's name. The maid who will seal his doom. Excuse me, miss. Ah! 
But Rolf is a master of deduction. He's not going to let no disappearing clues get in the way of him finding the murderer. There is no evidence, so your logic is wrong. Logic is never wrong, Watson. If there is no evidence that the butler did it, and I certainly didn't do it, then the inescapable conclusion, Watson, is that you're the murderer. Poor Watson, who is then immediately eaten by the Gorgon heap. But if Watson's not there, Watson couldn't have done it. So therefore, there was no murder. With no evidence and no killer, there was no murder. (laughs) So Wayne is actually alive because he sneezes. So damn it, Wayne isn't dead. (laughs) We'll try again next week. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, This is a recurring bit called... uh, Fuck Wayne. Fuck Wayne. Um, fuck Wayne. But yeah, I this one's a really fun sketch. I think it really plays to the strengths of the Muppets, which is the Muppets as... They can have people who eat things. Yes. <laughs> but also, it really plays to the strength of uh, Muppets as repertory performers. Like, the concept of them being in a theater troupe... And them like taking on these roles that are in these sort of genre stories is one of the more intriguing things I find about the Muppets. It's like, yes, these people are like characters, but they also work well when you insert them into familiar genre narratives. Because they're performers. Yeah. They're like a little, a little, little theater cast that puts on, you know, Shakespeare in the Park. Which I would a hundred percent watch. I would watch Muppet Shakespeare in the Park. That would be great. Yeah, get Kenneth Branagh to direct yes. Muppets doing Shakespeare. Um, in this sketch, you know, it's Muppets as Sherlock Holmes, which honestly, Sherlock Holmes in the public domain. Do that. Just yeah. Have Rolf the Dog as Sherlock. I would watch a whole series. Benedict Cumberbund. Fuck that guy. Rolf the Dog. Yes. I would also watch like a Muppet's Knives Out. Yeah. Frank Oz. That's Frank that's, Oz still there. Frank Oz bringing it back. We went full circle. <laughs> just a stellar performance by Baskerville who has just the cutest little shock of terror when the Gorgon Heap uh, eats Miss great, Piggy. Great performance by Gorgon Heap. And so now we get our second appearance in the same episode of The Muppet Newsman who is breaking a story about a person who has held the state of New York hostage. Uh, Harry Oblong, a retired New York City bus driver, said that he is holding that state as a hostage and will not release it until he has paid $50 million in cash. (laughs) Mr. Oblong, whom state officials say is not playing with a full deck, says that he will not disclose the whereabouts of the state of New York, but does say it has enough food and water to last for 10 more days. I don't really know where this bit is going. It's just kind of, there's a guy who's holding the whole state hostage. And that's the bit. That's it. It's really funny. <laughs> Not as funny as the first one where a stuntman dies and his wife has to pick up the pieces. <laughs> and move on. Poor Mrs. Boffo, the human cannonball. Well, I don't know if she's also a human cannonball. Or if, like, I don't know, did she change her last name? What's going on here? Um, but yeah, now it comes to the final <laughs> sketch of the show, Razzle Dazzle. Well, there's sort of two sketches in one. So the next thing we see is Gonzo 
in a little Model T car, and he says, I will, with this sledgehammer, demolish this vintage automobile to the music of the Anvil Chorus. You know, that's. I think this is this is one of the other things I like about The Muppet Show, Jim Henson's uh, eclectic music taste. Um, he's like, yeah, you get all sorts of different types of songs in this episode. You've got Broadway hits. You've got stuff from Italian operas. You got Pacalafica, <laughs> which sucks. I think we've pretty much hit every nail on the head on, on, on that song. And then finally, we get the old razzle-dazzle. Yeah. But Gonzo is booed once again uh, while he's doing his weird performance art of... Philistines. Of smashing something or breaking something or eating something to the tune of, like, classical music. Which, I don't know why, like, canonically, other Muppets don't like this. <laughs> don't like this. Gonzo is just ahead of his time. Yeah, so he gets booed and he's like, I'm going to quit show business. But Joel Grey comes in to save the day by singing the old razzle-dazzle from Chicago, a musical I haven't seen, but I know it stars, what, Renee Zellweger? Yeah, it's the movie? Yeah. I've seen the movie. That's pretty good. They heard it Again, I haven't seen the movie, but I do know that that's a song that's in Chicago. Yeah. Cell Block Tango. Cell block. Imagine a Muppet Cell Block Tango. That would be terrible. That sounds like something they would have done, though. Miss Piggy as Roxy. Yeah. Again, I haven't seen it. I just know things that are in the movie. Janice is also there. Yeah, for sure, man. If you would have seen it, I'm sure that you would have done the same. Maybe this is a good idea. Someone someone get Bob Chapek on the phone. Muppet Chicago. You got to hit him with the old razzle-dazzle, as Joel Gray says. And he puts on like a sequin jacket and and a top hat and he prances around and there's sort of like weird like split screen like 1970s like split screen optical kaleidoscopic effects going it's on it's pretty trippy i mean i mean they know yeah, what they know what he's here for joel gray is a good singer why not have him sing some stuff he's known for the Muppet Show is just really good at leaning into the uh, guests' talents. And that concludes uh, the little episode. Um, you got Kermit and Joel Gray standing next to each other in the little outro. Hey, Joel, we really want to thank you for being with us on the show tonight. And I want you to know you'll always be willkommen here. Dankeschön, Herr Kermit. It was mein pleasure. I keep working on that accent. It might come in handy. Which is, and which is funny because Joel Gray... Uh, sings a lot of German in cabaret. That's the joke. And that's the show. Want to talk about your most valuable Muppet? Yeah, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you mine. My most valuable Muppet is the Gorgon Heap. I love, I, love a, I love a good full body large Muppet. I also love a good Muppet whose sole purpose is uh, shove things in its mouth because I think that's a really funny joke. I just I have to give I have to give the Gorgon Heap props for pulling a Viola Davis and uh, getting away with murder. <laughs> props to the Gorgon Heap for that. My most valuable Muppet is um, probably Statler and Waldorf. Yeah, they kind of they kind of save a lot of the less than stellar bits in this episode. 
Or maybe not less than stellar, but just non-comedic bits. Well, that young man is one of the all-time greats. You hear me? One of the greats. Well, you'll get no argument from me on that. <laughs> well, it may be the first time we ever agreed on anything in our lives. No. We uh, once agreed in uh, the summer of 1912, yes. <laughs> what was that? We agreed that Kaiser Bill looked silly in a hat. <laughs> you remember? <laughs> no. They just, it's a good yeah. button. As, as long as there's a good button, you forget about the bad sketch. And also they've given us the new improv suggestion, Amoeba. I've got a, uh, I've got an honorable mention. The Newsman. Sure. Both of his bits are funny. I also have an honorable mention of Baskerville the dog. Yeah. Baskerville's so cute. It sucks when he gets eaten. <laughs> it it does. He just has the best reaction face when Miss Piggy gets devoured by the Gorgon Heap. <laughs> what a fantastic name. Gorgon Heap. Gorgon Heap. Just a pile of, what, Medusas? I read Percy Jackson in middle school. I know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I think that's how right. that works. The Gorgons, Medusa's a Gorg. If you look at if you look at him, you'll turn to stone. That's how a Gorgon works. So I assume that's how a heap of Gorgons would work. No, a heap of Gorgons would just eat you. Don't you know the math, Allison? <laughs> One Gorgon turns you to stone. A heap of them will eat but if there's, you. That's what they always say. But if there's say. a heap of Gorgons, and you remove one Gorgon from the heap, it's still a heap of Gorgons, right? Sure. So how many yeah. Gorgons would you have to take out of the heap until it's no longer a heap? The real question is, what makes a heap? What makes anything? <laughs> What's a heap? What makes... A good episode of The Muppet Show. I know. Who are we? Not having a, a transphobic sketch. Yeah. Other than that, though, there's some good stuff in this one. Yeah. I'll give this episode a 6 out of 10 amoebas. Yeah. It's a, it's a 6 out of 10 with a little asterisk. Yeah. Not the not the greatest start. I mean, no, no bangers like Manamana, but that will come in is pretty fun. So is Sherlock in the case of the disappearing clues. The the Fozzie B plot, good. Wayne and Wanda, fuck Wayne and Wanda. All right, that's that's it. That's that's the, that's the Joel Gray episode of the Muppet Show. Um, you could follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Talk the Muppets. Um, you could uh, DM us if you want to yell at us about things. Please do. You can find me uh, on Twitter at Ryan Tuchangs and basically everywhere else. Um, TikTok. Uh. <laughs> Follow Ryan on TikTok. I make, I've started making some videos about uh, uh, being with a tall woman. Um, yeah, I guess if there's anything else I want to plug, um, if you're tall, hi. You can find me on uh, on Twitter at Ali Rich Them. I got I got some more podcasts, but they're not out yet. So check my yeah, Twitter. Keep an eye out for those. I don't know. Uh, I I tweet a lot of funny things. You should go like and retweet them. I think that's it. Well, I made the really dumb uh, decision to record this podcast in an unventilated room. So I think I'm going to go drink some water. Please do. You can probably tell how died I am. (laughs) And that's the show.
Thanks for listening to It's Time to Talk the Muppets. Bye. More, more. No, I'm not so loud. They may hear you. Ha, ha, ha.